I think that the e-commerce founders as a group within a space should learn more, engage more, and, and be open for learning, learnings around ops and finance. Again, it's bigger than Final Loop. It's beyond the books. It's just understanding that as a business owner, this is something that you have to own. And this is something that you cannot outsource and forget. The same thing that you cannot outsource and forget, forget HR. You have to work with your people. You have to recruit the right people to coach people. And you have to market your business and you have to build your products. You need to own the financial path of your brand. Hey everyone, this is Ramon Vela. Quick note before we begin, this episode is a little bit different. We're trying something new. This is part of our partner series feature and we have a guest host. Her name is Rose Hamilton, founder and CEO of Compass Rose Ventures. In this episode, she interviews Leo Pinchevsky, founder and CEO of Final Loop. Final Loop reconciles all financials in real time, providing e-commerce and DTC brands, flawless books, optimized tax returns, and actionable insights 24-7 with 100% accuracy. Wow. They replace your accounting software, integrations, bookkeeper, and tax CPA so you stop wasting your precious time and money, make smarter decisions, and handle taxes on time. I hope you enjoy this new format. Enjoy the interview. Customer service and experience are critical for your online business. And without the right software in place, you could be missing out on opportunities. That's why there's Tidio, the first customer experience platform that helps online businesses turn casual website visitors into paying customers using their AI chatbot, Lyro. Lyro chatbot enables you to solve up to 70% of customer problems with conversational, human-like language without actual hiring costs. So you can focus on growing your business. Plus, with Tidio, you can also increase your sales by giving hyper-personalized recommendations and offering discounts based on user behavior and order history. Now, my listeners can start using Tidio AI chatbots for free. Yes, you heard it, for free and upgrade at any time with an exclusive 20% discount. See how Tidio helps grow your store? Visit tidio.com forward slash story. That's T-I-D-I-O dot com, T-I-D-I-O forward slash story. Today, we're talking about the foundational pillar for achieving profitability in DTC and e-commerce companies, managing the numbers with efficient and effective accounting that is coordinated across all stakeholders. Two days ago, I was sitting with the clients and the core leadership team working on quarter four planning, just like many of you. I was asked by the marketing team if we could give away some products to increase revenue, I thought to myself, great idea. Then I asked, what does it cost? And then I saw glazed eyes and confusion, just as I expected, because I've seen that before. Well, we don't know was the answer. This is one of the many basic financial questions I find management teams struggling with answering. The moral of the story is, if you're an executive in a business, you need to understand and live by the numbers. The journey begins and ends with the numbers. I'll never forget sitting in a room very painfully at the end of a month in a board meeting. 
and finding that number one, the numbers were incorrectly categorized and number two, inaccurate information, making it impossible to make timely decisions with the board and with the rest of the executive team. Not to mention the board calling at the end of the following month to review month-end results just one week after the month passed, which of course we didn't have. Not another for a couple of weeks. Never a good position to be in. Successful founders must know their numbers at all times. I'm amazed how many growing companies that I work with who do not truly understand unit economics or how to set a cost per acquisition target that supports profitable growth. Well, this is not a topic that is often talked about. It's the true foundation to scaling a profitable business. As we all know, decisions are only as good as the numbers, and we count on them to make the process for how teams collaborate to get there. And at the end of the day, if you want to scale your business, you need to know really a couple of things. One, what does the business cost? Two, what is my revenue potential? Three, how do I make its profitability over time? And four, how do I then scale it over the next short and long-term periods? If you don't have a clear handle on this and rush out to test new ideas to see what sticks, you may likely find yourself on a fast path to the bankruptcy graveyard, not at a place we want to be. Can you relate? If you're not 100% thrilled with the topic of accounting for your business and do not have full access to your numbers, 24 by 7, I might add, then you're going to really love this episode because I have Leo here with me today, founder of Final Loop, who has been studying and addressing the growing problem for founders who are in growing companies, both small and large, and really addressing how to solve for it. It is my delight to welcome Leo Pinchiska. He's the founder and CEO of Final Loop. So you might ask a little bit about the company, but I'm actually going to start first with Leo, because over the past three years, he's really built a successful business. And a couple of things I would say is he's focused on combining deep technology assisted by accounting experts specific to health and wellness and delivers really wonderful books with 100% accuracy available 24 by 7. And I'm going to let Leo talk about more of it. So Leo, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thank you, Rose. Uh, same here. Thank you. Thank you very much for hosting me. Well, you have such a great story and such a great background, and I really enjoyed our conversations leading up to this one. And I think you've got a lot to share with our listeners. So let's start first with your personal journey. What do you say uniquely prepared you for where you are today to solve this challenging problem of accounting and books and numbers and making it easy for founders who are really trying to focus on scaling their businesses? I, I... I started in finance most, most and, and practiced finance most of my life. Um, I studied law and accounting. Um, within the law and accounting and finance field, I practice international tax M&A, um, basically international tax planning for acquisitions of very large enterprises. So think about the largest uh, players in the globe, just planning their uh, taxes across acquisitions. Started in a law firm, uh, then moved to PwC as a junior associate. associate. Um, from junior associate to manager to director to partner in the M&A department. Um, and then I always had this desire of uh, developing things, building things. So I always had some side hustles, different side hustles. Uh, so I had, I built, uh, I built a small company in the location-based um, restaurant bidding space. Uh, didn't go quite well. 
and a couple of other companies. Some of them uh, were more successful, some of them less. One of the companies that I built um, was in the fertility space. It's a company that helped men test and freeze sperm from home. Um, the entire platform of accessing the product was an e-commerce-based platform. There was a service behind the platform, but mainly e-commerce. So with this startup um, that back at the day uh, and even today is um, doing very well, I kind of my finance background and my expertise in e-commerce basically intersect. Uh, but there was something that really, really bothered me as an e-commerce founder, which is the lack of visibility to numbers. Um, as, as an accountant, I am super obsessed with numbers and I'm really uh, uncomfortable when I take decisions that are based on gut feeling. I'm okay with decisions that based on gut feeling, but only if I have all the numbers in front of me. And as an e-commerce founder, um, you basically see that the only way to get decent numbers um, is to go to bookkeepers. So, you know, bookkeeper um, will access the different pieces of information that you have in your platform, payroll, banks, credit cards, and try to make sense of all this information on one of the, I would call generic accounting platforms um, that's in the market. But what happened, at least in my case, was that I got the numbers. I got them in great delay uh, when the decision-making was no longer relevant, meaning a month, two months after the end of the month. And then when I got the numbers, I could easily spot 10 different flaws in five seconds. So I went to a service provider. I paid tons of money. I got product in great delay, right? Which is kind of the, you know, counterintuitive thing for somebody who works in e-commerce and, you know, that your customers would get really, really mad if the product delays in three hours. So great delay. And then when I review the numbers, I know that I can trust them. So I got to a point that I get numbers. I don't trust them. I see this as a complete burden. And I had to find alternative ways to facilitate my decision making. Whether it's a new product line, whether it's just understanding what my gross profit is, what's my contribution margin is, and also driving the main spent of my business, which is performance marketing. Running performance marketing without numbers is just running blind. So at that moment, I knew that, you know, one, it has to be sold. Second, somebody will solve it at the end of the day. And third, I'm in a good position to, to tackle this problem. And I just couldn't, you know, I, I, I couldn't pass this opportunity. And I just right, right into solving this challenge. So when you started to think about this problem, you've addressed a lot of the shortcomings that you saw as being in an operator's shoes, all the challenges, and I can so relate to it. And I'm so curious, once you get into companies, 
what what are some of the process challenges that you see between accounting and finance and executives, marketing, sales, at an even broader level? Because certainly there are the numbers in bookkeeping, but then there's also collaboration, which I'm sure played into how you started to think about reporting and the use of the numbers in the platform that you've built. Yeah. So just just a few words about about Final Loop and the platform, and then I'll, I'll connect it. I'll connect the dots. So Final Loop basically replaces three main components in the accounting process or finance process of an e-commerce brand. It would be the accounting software, uh, whether it's QuickBooks, Zero, NetSuite for larger brands. Um, it would be the connectors the different integrations that would bring the data from the different applications that the brand use into the accounting software, the ledger, basically. And then third is the manual work of the bookkeeper. Uh, traditional bookkeeping assumes that the data, the data would go uh, to the ledger, to the accounting system, and then there would be a person that would make sense out of the data because it's not arranged and it's thrown in without the accounting logic. So finally, basically replaces these three components, the accounting software, the different connectors we have, we've built all the connectors into the different apps that uh, e-commerce brands love and use, and the bookkeeper. So brands that work with Finaloop don't need a bookkeeper. This basically fulfills just one part of the, I would say, financial operations or finance process, which is the bookkeeping, it's the accounting. It's just taking a lot of numbers and create a language. Accounting is a language. It's same that you have language in different cultures. In the culture of business, accounting is a common language that everybody that has financial understanding can read and understand. So we create this accounting language, financial language. Um, and that's the point where we stop. But this is not, as you just said, Rose, this is not where the, you know, finance, financial process stops. And the intersection with the other departments, with the other stakeholders and, and key persons within the organization. Finance is obviously broader than accounting. Finance um, is the ability to utilize the accounting information that we that we produce in order to make financial and business decisions. So what we're gonna produce is an accurate PL, cash flow statement, you know, balance sheet, and different other KPIs that can facilitate decision making. Then on top of this this information, the financial process would make um, would process these numbers to facilitate data-driven decision-making within the business. The data-driven decision-making can be of the, you know, decisions, operational decisions, the financial decisions. I need lending. I need to finance my inventory. I need to uh, push more on ads or cut more uh, on ads. I need to hire. I don't need to hire. I need to expand my warehouse or I'm okay with this warehouse or outsource it a lot of operational decisions. Accounting would not, um, would not help you with these decisions other than give you the numbers that you need in order to facilitate them. The other 
stakeholders of the books, of the ledger, are the marketing people. When you run in an e-commerce brand, unless you're very lucky and you have tons of organic traffic and you don't need to run anything and the traffic just flying in and the only thing that the you need to do is state. the optimize the funnel, yeah. But that's probably a very small portion of, of e-commerce globally. For most, for most of the e-commerce brand, including mine, you need to do a lot of marketing um, initiatives in order to drive traffic and to drive sales. Driving traffic, marketing in general without numbers is very inefficient. Uh, the books and the conclusions that you can get to based on your books are super, super important for running successful campaigns. Uh, I would say more than that, running campaigns. And even if you go to an agency and the agency asks you, okay, what's your ROAS without getting into your finances? I would not hire them. Uh, running campaigns without accurate numbers is just running blind. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of resources. Most of the people are just stuck in their long tail marketing and just don't understand what works and what not. And we all know there's a huge difference between increasing the top line to increasing uh, profit. And I'm not even talking about net profit. I'm talking about even the contribution margin, right? Yeah. The revenues minus your refunds, returns, discounts, cost of product, and cost of delivery. In your experience, Leo, let me ask you a question about that. Yeah. Really specific, because again, being a founder, running performance marketing, if I were to think about all the founders I talk to, very rarely do I find someone say, I love my media, my performance marketing agency. Most of them will say, I'm not ready to have it in-house. I have to rely on an agency. So in your opinion, when you think about Final Loop and how you built the product, how are your best clients really leveraging the platform? Is it something that the agency plugs into? Like, how are top performing brands able to tap into the contribution margin in making their marketing decisions to improve return on ad spend? And part of why I ask is because most of the ones I see are looking at return on ad spend as their major metric. And they're not looking at incrementality all the time. Rarely are they looking at lifetime value. And so with the systems that you're putting in place, how are best brands able to leverage it and to make a better job and to improve the efficiency in their marketing? Because we all know that that's a part of profitability too and a big one. Right. So for me, return, if, if you measure return on ads uh, in terms of revenue, for me, it equals just lack of information or lack of data, which is the reality for most of the business businesses in general and specifically in e-commerce in an era of, 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 of lacking data. The best proxy for agencies to success is I invest dollar in marketing and I'm going to generate X in revenues. If you have data, the discussion, the, the discussion basically changes. The discussion is no longer how much revenue I can generate for dollar ad spend. It's basically how much increased contribution margin or even net profit, right? If you need to expand your back office, you can even drill down into the net profit I can generate for, for your ad spend. I think this is, changes the discussion. It changes the KPI. It just changes the entire discussion. Now, 
my approach toward agencies is agencies must work with numbers, right? There are many different ways to obtain numbers. If you can obtain numbers by using QuickBooks and a bookkeeper or QuickBooks and accountant or NetSuite and accountant and or internal uh, accounting team, that's perfectly, that's perfectly fine. Um, but you need to expect your agency to use the numbers and to rely on your numbers and not just generating revenue. Now, Final Loop is just another way. I think it's a better way. I think it's more 10 times more accurate way. It's a real-time way, right? You don't need to wait till the end of the month or the month afterwards. You have the information every single day and you can measure your agency every single day and you can adjust your budgets every single day. But it's just another method of obtaining the numbers to run the campaigns. So my thoughts around using an agency, it's a very good thing because you can leverage usually e-commerce brands, very small teams. You can leverage knowledge of more qualified, more knowledgeable people. I, for my, my brand, I, I'm, I'm also using the help of agencies and consultants, but I manage them. I manage them in the sense that I have clear expectations of what I expect them to use and do. And finance is just, you know, if I go to an agency and they're asking me, what's your rose? You know, I just tell them very nice goodbye and, and just expect them to tell me, give me your PNL, let me review and I'll come back with the right composition of contribution margin, net profit to have this level of discussion. It's far more in today's world, a financially driven conversation, because let's face it, attribution is tough, getting tougher. And now we've got iOS 17 happening. And so it's going to get more rocky and more difficult. But if we can't see the numbers we take to the bank, we don't take ROAS to the bank. We take profit to the bank. It's, it's impossible to run a business successfully. You know, and it's, when I think about sometimes as I observe companies that are in growth stages trying to make decisions around finance and accounting, an easy answer is, oh, I'll just get, I'll just get a CFO who can do the bookkeeping too. Like they're the same thing. And it's like, why can't they be the same thing? But, you know, I, I love the discussion that we've had along the way that they're two entirely se separate entities with entirely separate skill sets. And there's times when you might want a fractional CFO and there's times when you want, might want an in-house CFO. So can you talk us through that stage in the journey of what do people really need? Because if I'm a founder who's been running it all, like I've been doing it all, and now I'm starting to hire people, how do I know if I should hire Final Loop, if I should hire a CFO in-house, fractional? Like, what do I need if I know my goal is to do a strategic exit in three to five years, as an example? I'm seeing fine growth now. Like, what more do I need? Because I've got to keep that lens towards the strategic exit. But what choices should I be making today? And why not one person to manage it all? Can you help demystify that a little bit for us and for our listeners? Yeah, it's, it's an excellent question that we've been being asked a lot. It's, it's almost two different, it's two different professions. It's two different skill sets. It's two different people. You know, people tend to confuse these two professions because it's both of them includes the word finance, accounting, and numbers. But two, essentially two different professions, the CFO and Google doesn't manage the books, right? Um, management board would expect the CFO of Google to give strategic advice, to lead, 
the vision of the company from a financial perspective and be very business oriented. Nobody expect the CFO to do the bookkeeping. The bookkeeping is just a way for this person to make decisions. The exact same thing for small businesses. Bookkeeping is one aspect of finances. And then the CFO or the role of the CFO is a second part. So bookkeeping is just getting you know, the information right. Uh, the role CFO is more strategic, is analyzing the books, analyzing the PNL, analyzing the position of the company, and make strategic recommendations about how to interpret and how to make actionable steps based on the financials. In a sense, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense to pay somebody so much to do bookkeeping, right? CFOs are pretty expensive. It doesn't make any sense uh, paying so much money for, you know, for tedious work of bookkeeping. CFOs need to have the booking in place to help you make better decisions. The, in terms of the growth stage of the business, usually what we see is two different formats. Uh, one format is the format of the fractional CFO basically CFO on demand, right? You do the bookkeep somewhere, whether it's traditional bookkeeping, final loop, et cetera. And then the deliverable is PNL cash flow balance sheet. Then you bring a CFO that help you with financial planning, what we call FBNA, financial planning, budgeting. We recommend doing a 13 week cash flow projection. All these things are done by the, the CFO. Now, if you're very small, then use a fractional CFO. The benefit of a fractional CFO, and I, I, I don't think there's too small for hiring a fractional CFO. If I start a business tomorrow, I would hire a fractional CFO tomorrow. The benefit is that you can easily align the cost with the value, right? Because it's basically on demand. As brands grow, they may move from a fractional CFO position to hiring an in-house CFO. An in-house CFO is something that we usually see, I would say mid eight figure. Sometimes for serial entrepreneurs, they're, they're so sure that they're gonna grow big pretty fast. So they're bringing somebody in-house very early in the game. But usually fractional CFO can work very well until you are mid eight, eight figures easily. And then, and then, I think that the best composition is basically, you know, keeping the routine stuff. You don't need to keep in-house at all, but the decision-making, the financial IP, the financial IQ has to be internal, whether it's a fractional CFO, CFO, or the founders. There are many brands that all the financial operations, the financial IQ, the financial IP is owned by the founders. That sounds very similar to the discipline of marketing, where it's easy to outsource production, routine things. But when it comes to the actual brand identity and the ethos of the brand, that tends to be something that needs to be owned internally because that comes from the inside out. And so it's, it's fascinating how the two disciplines parallel each other a lot in terms of the needs you need at each stage. Now, I'm so curious, given what you just shared, 
And given your unique background of having sat in big companies and seen smaller companies and been a founder, that's part of what I love about your background is you've really sat in all of the chairs. You know, I oftentimes observe and have been there myself that finance will come into a meeting and give a report and there isn't really any talk about how we got to the numbers, like what actually drove the numbers. And then as we start to say, we don't like those numbers, they don't look right. And then all kinds of questions fire off and defense, defensiveness starts to happen. What have you observed around, you know, your own experience of the most healthy organizations and how the accuracy of these numbers reflects then when a good quality financial process with rigor is happening to review p ls like, what does that cadence look like? Does it look like books close in a week after a month ends and the executive team can get together and start making decisions? Like, how... Help me understand what you've observed before you began your company and now how you're empowering the companies that you work within, who you offer your services, both the software and then the fractional accounting services, bookkeeping services. How are those companies far more better equipped than the traditional way, which is, okay, things come into QuickBooks as an example, we'll use NetSuite and then we have to wait and the whole thing. So I'd love to hear your perspective on the change that you're now making happen within some of these companies because you've re-engineered and really disrupted how accounting and finance is being thought about. We have so much value coming your way as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. Customer service and experience are critical for your online business. And without the right software in place, you could be missing out on opportunities. That's why there's Tidio, the first customer experience platform that helps online businesses turn casual website visitors into paying customers using their AI chatbot, Lyro. Lyro chatbot enables you to solve up to 70% of customer problems with conversational, human-like language without actual hiring costs. So you can focus on growing your business. Plus, with Tidio, you can also increase your sales by giving hyper-personalized recommendations and offering discounts based on user behavior and order history. Now, my listeners can start using Tidio AI chatbots for free. Yes, you heard it, for free and upgrade at any time with an exclusive 20% discount. See how Tidio helps grow your store? Visit tidio.com forward slash story. That's T-I-D-I-O dot com, Tidio forward slash story. And now to the interview. Look, for, for large companies, it's very... It's quite easy, right? You have a lot of money. You can just you can just brute force it. So you're a public company or, or just a large company. You know that you have at the end of the day to submit accurate financials. So you just pay tons of money to very talented people to get the job done, right? It's you know the delay part is always there. The inability to make good decisions is always there for large companies or for small companies. There's always a mess. For large companies, at the end of the day, right, whether it's in, you know, the end of the quarter or, you know, the year, you get the numbers right. You can, you can pay enough for intense brain power to solve the problem of accuracy. The delay would always be there. The inability to make decisions always there. For smaller companies, the only difference is the lack of resources, right? You can't necessarily solve problems with money because you don't have the cash 
that that's that's the reality of 99% of the small and medium sized businesses so what i was fascinated about is you have a complete underserved market that have a very sharp pain that cannot be solved by just by money so in 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 that point i saw this opportunity to to to, to really solve it with technology right cuz you know if you go to a big company and tell them okay we're gonna you know we're gonna find this reconciliation machine they're saying okay but it's not it's usually not their first priority it's not something that is painful enough because they, they can just buy this knowledge and do it quick enough for smaller businesses especially smaller e-commerce brands where the volumes are very high right the volume of information what what's what's so fascinating about e-commerce brands that they can be small right and small you know that's my way to say not enterprise right it can still be seven right. eight nine figures or low nine figures they can be small but with a lot of information and great volumes of information orders that that payment gateways and and banks and credit cards and everything is very overwhelming but there is always a mess so that that you know that's the challenge that I was really passionate and still passionate to solve and the way we we do it is very simple we take all this information reconcile it in real time and give you set of books that are always correct. Sounds very simple, right? Conceptually. But we um, know it's not. After all the yeah, meetings not- through, it's very rare that accuracy comes out the first time around. So how do you do it? What's the secret sauce? How do you how do you not run into the challenges of things all being categorized incorrectly? Like I'm fascinated by what's unique here that that really differentiates you in the marketplace. Yeah. So Let's let's start with the result. The result of working with Final Loop with us is that you get books that are 100% accurate all the time. There's no month-end close. There's no year-end close. There's no close. There's no bank reconciliation. It's always reconciled. It sounds like magic. From a product perspective or technology perspective, it's quite simple. What we do is reconciliation in the background. If you have a lot of information that with a lot of pieces linked together, for a human being, it's, uh, it's almost impossible with these volumes of information to say part A is reconciled with part B and is reconciled with part C. In e-commerce terms, the order in Shopify is reconciled with you know, the Stripe payment minus the fees, and then the Stripe, the Stripe payment minus the fees minus the refunds is reconciled with the bank. And then do it in scale and do it across all the different platforms that you use. So the secret sauce is basically real-time reconciliation that runs in the background. In a sense, the categorization part is, is kind of easier because with AI and technology and machine learning and different data, data points that you use, you can get to a very high categorization rate quite fast. The main problem is the reconciliation, the ability to say, I have so many different sources of information. I'm bringing all these sources to this smart machine that can link all the data pieces. So no pieces missing on the one hand, and also no two pieces that should be reconciled are counted twice, right? 
So the main challenge usually when you go and speak with, you know, when we review, for example, books, we almost, it's the, you know, it's always the same case, right? Either things counted twice or things are missing. Reason is reconciliation, take a few pieces and match them together. Sounds simple, not simple in reality, but um, this, is, this is what we're solving for. Is any of the technology leveraging AI in any way, shape or form? Yes, it's not AI that we develop. I, I hate to say that we are an, an AI company because we're not. We're a company that bringing a lot of domain expertise in, into really understanding the e-commerce part and the reconciliation part of an e-commerce business in terms of the finances. But we use AI on the back end just by other services that help us make our, our work easier and better and better for our uh, customers. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's really machine learning. And I probably would have been better served to say to you machine learning, because I think that's a part of the technology that's gotten really interesting. There still is human intervention. And I think that's just such a hot topic today about like what parts are human intervention and what parts can be machine learning. And if you use a tradition, traditional methodology, all this reconciliation you're describing appears to me like it's all extraordinarily manual, which is why everything takes so long. And so if you're able to leverage the machine learning, and the other thing I think I'm hearing out of what you're saying is that there's certain dynamic natures embedded in an e-commerce business that probably don't show up in a construction business or something else. And it would appear to me as though you're really mastering the themes and the trends and staying focused on this category for today, not to say that you couldn't extend it to other categories, but mastering the unique nuances and patterns and trends so that you are the destination for people to come to because they're not going to be dealing with people who don't understand the patterns in their business. You're mastering that and you're applying, if I understand you right, machine learning to make it more efficient but you're still supplying the human intervention. There's still someone working with you from a human aspect. So things that machines can't detect yet, it sounds like you're trying to do a blend of the two, which in theory strip out the expense or the added fat that might be happening around an accounting practice. Have I got that right? I think you got it 100% right. The, I would say the, you know, machine learning is, is one aspect. You know, we have different algorithms and statistic models that help us with the reconciliation. So it's, it's a wide range of techniques that all serve the same purpose of reconciliation and, and you know, matching a lot of different pieces in the puzzle. The ability to do this, and, and you were absolutely right, is just because we are a vertical company, we're a vertical SaaS company, we only do e-commerce. Um, you know, there's, as you said, construction company, you know, dental office, nonprofit, each of these businesses would behave differently. If we needed to build final loop generically, right? And most of the accounting softwares are generic, right? QuickBooks doesn't care if, you know, if a bookkeeper that serves an e-commerce brand or a bookkeeper that serves a nonprofit would manage the books on QuickBooks. What we do, which is you know, managing the ledger, but also the accounting logic can be only done vertically. And the ability to do this is just because we are very focused and familiar and, and, and experts in the different aspects of running an e-commerce business from a business perspective. 
that the range of use cases that we're dealing with is broad, but still contained and can be well captured in a vertical product. So I think you describe it very well. And then to the people functions piece, look, at the, at the end of the day, our products are being used for acquisitions. So many of our brands went through due diligences and raised money and applied for different financing and, of course, report with the IRS. So we have a second layer, which is expert review. So whenever books are delivered, there's a person that reviews them and also can, on the way, can give, you know, some insights, different insights from the brand, usually around lending and financing and saving and, 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 and things around these topics. But yes, we, we, we purposely have another layer of review uh, that gives us and our customers the level of comfort of using the books for compliance and, you know, fundraising due diligence processes. What's your absolute favorite case study? Not necessarily needing to use a name because you may have confidentiality challenges, but just in general, biggest impact that you're the most proud of that this business has been able to achieve here for someone that you've worked with. I'd say the two use cases that excite me the most, two use cases. One is brands, br brand is coming in connects everything, and then upfront, we can save them tons of money. It happens a lot with lending. So they're getting a lot of loans from the different uh, e-commerce players. Usually traditional bookkeeping, traditional bookkeepers don't, don't really understand e-commerce, so they don't know how to treat this type of loans and this type of instruments. So usually upfront, we find money on the table that we can basically say, you know, you have this you know, $40,000 that you didn't claim a deduction last year, and that's upfront tax saving. They go, they apply for a refund, they get money back. And then it's a very easy sell because it basically covers their final subscription forever. Uh, so in many different aspects around either tax or expense saving, there is a um, lot and lots of the times there is like an upfront big saving that we can generate. And then it makes the relationship really, really, really good because they see, you know, the brand see the benefits up front. Second use case that really excites me is there's a brand that got an opportunity to either raise funds or, you know, somebody called and said that they're like, you know, they're very interested in starting a due diligence for acquisition or, you know, there's business goes well. There's a need for a lot of inventory, so they, you know, they go and explore financing. And then they're basically saying like the, the lender or the fund or the potential acquirer say, okay, I, I, you know, I need a two or three year history of books up to today. And then the brands go traditional ways. They go to account accountants, accounting firms, bookkeepers at that stage, they usually even willing to pay a lot of money just to get it done. And then they're getting proposals, you know, they're getting an engagement letter that says, okay, we're going to start the work, you're going to pay a down payment. And then within four months, you're going to get the full financials for two years. And then they come to us and we basically tell them, okay, connect. And then within 48 hours, you get a two year worth of reconciled books. Oh, 48 hours. Yeah, 48 hours, two, two years 
worth of full books on a cruel basis and you know we are at the point that some you know let's say not obviously not all of them but many of the funds and the lenders already know us so it's also easy because you can tell them hey two weeks ago you know this firm just conducted the due diligence for one of our brands and then within 48 hours they have they have financials fully reconciled which is the, 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 this is magic and the, this is where we are able to demonstrate our abilities and kind of really stand out from the traditional processes. The journey to getting to market, I'm sure would be something that our listeners would love to hear about because I know we have a lot of founders in the audience and leadership teams. You've got such a unique value proposition and I'm curious to know the journey, knowing full well you did a lot of R&D leading up to even going to market. How did you do it? How did it go? What were the challenges along the way? What are the challenges? Help us understand what it's been like to get this business to market. Yeah, so the, 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 the journey, I, I enjoyed the fact that I was into e-commerce when I started Final Loop. So I knew people, I knew the business pretty well, and I could validate the idea very quickly. I had access to people. I the access to, to a lot of other brands, colleagues. So the validation was quite simple because I came from the industry. The R&D in Final Loop is super intensive. We've been building for two years without bringing customers at all. Think about an ERP system. You have so many different modules that you have to accomplish in order to even get to a viable product, right? Because can go to a brand founder and say, hey, we're going to offload your bookkeeping. We're going to offload it only in 62% and then, you know, find a solution for the rest of your bookkeeping. They need to bring a bookkeeper and we didn't solve for the challenge that we want to solve for. So we had a lot of R&D before we went to market. Uh, once we went to market, it was quite easy because the pain is really sharp and the product market fit is really strong. So it was very easy to bring customers into Final Open and trying Final Open. I think the main challenge as we scale our marketing is the, the fact that many e-commerce founders are really, really, really into marketing, but not so into finance. I think two groups. There are a group of founders, I would say, that don't even understand why finance is so important. Because they feel, okay, we're going to, like, the, you know, we are great marketeers. We're going to run these campaigns based on our knowledge and gut feeling. And, you know, we are, we, we are growing and everything is uh, going pretty well. And we're going to succeed this way. I think this group of founders in 2023 realized that what was easy in 2022, 2021, when money was cheap, is no longer easy this year. And I think they found that building a sustainable business is not just great marketing and growing top line, but it's much broader than that. Second group of founders, founders that understand the, the importance of finance, but for some reason, don't jump right in into it. Just kind of are scared of numbers or scared going into financing and then just try to outsource it, but not outsource just the technical part of it, 
outsource it completely. So sometimes we speak with the brand, they're saying, okay, we heard about Final Loop, it's great, but speak with, with my accountant. Now it's funny because the accountant is the person that we need to replace. And then we start <laughs> pitching the person that we want to replace. And then the founder is basically saying, yes, but he's the decision maker. I, I don't have a clue about my finances, which is pretty funny because you're managing a business and you need to develop this financial IQ that would make you a great founder, not only in marketing, but only in other aspects of the business, the operations, the finances, which you cannot grow a sustainable business, a sustainable brand without it. So we got into this, I would say, marketing challenge of convincing this two groups of founders, those who think that it's not important enough, but now realize like change, you know, they're changing. And then those who are just don't want to deal with it and just outsource it to another person, convincing them that the financial IQ of the business has to be with the founders. They can outsource the technical work. They can outsource the bookkeeping. They can outsource, they can get advice, but they need to hold this financial IQ just as they hold the marketing IQ, right? They're, they don't go to agency and say, okay, I have this idea for a product, build it for me, you know, do the marketing and I'm going to collect either the profits or the losses at the end of the year. So this is something that we're really engaged in. We are trying to be as active on social as we can, share as much content, helpful content as we can. We started with a very technical content about, about you know, how to optimize taxes, how to optimize the financials. We understood that this is probably not the way to go because it's too technical. People just, you know, can't, you know, they will just skip it and go to the next marketing thread uh, on Twitter and some other social networks. So we started, we then shifted and, and said, okay, let's, let's, let's start with the fundamentals. Let's get this barrier, this mental barrier of, I don't think it's important or I don't want to deal with it. Let's take this off the table, focus on the fundamentals. And then when we feel that we were able to educate people just a bit about the fundamentals that go to the more technical stuff. Luckily, I think the trend of finance is important and finance is crucial, is supported by other people in the space. Not too many people, probably you know, five to 10 people that talk a lot about finance within the space. So it's kind of um, more high profile in the past few months. But this is something that we're engaging a lot and we have a lot of ideas how to be more helpful for the people in the space and the brand founders in 2024 in terms of education, content, um, just helping them. You know, it's, it's just beyond, it's bigger than Final Loop. It's just like, and just help them understand finance and develop this basic financial IQ that they need to run the business. That is an excellent answer. And I think it is so spot on with the world right now. And if you think about where people are at, the story 18 months ago was a growth story when money was easier to find. And now so many brands have found themselves in the battening down the hatches. And I want to cut, cut, cut real quick. You know, let's make it easy. But, you know, thinking about the, the financial IQ, I always like to say I'd rather go in when people don't necessarily want to stop and pause and we want to cut right away. Oh, let's measure twice and only cut once. And the only way you're going to do that wisely is if you have the data. 
And I think so many people naturally focus, especially founders on, well, what's the marketing performance data, which is limited, let's be honest, it stops at growth. It's not including contribution margins. And when you actually ask the question of, okay, if you're going to cut money that you're spending towards new customer acquisition, do you understand your roll forward effect when we're talking about forecasting? Because if you're going to be completely dependent on your repeat customers, how profitable are they? And then what are you, like, how are you thinking it through? And so it's really true to say that in a world where people are challenged with getting reasonable costs of capital to run the businesses, the number one place that they can really focus on is understanding the realities of their numbers and how to play with their puzzle pieces before going cutting, 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 because you have no idea how that's going to harm you and the choices you make today may prevent you from that great exit three to five years down the line. And so I'm just such a fan of what you're building there. And I get it. Most people don't want to talk about it. But the reality is the financially illiterate ones are likely the ones that land in the graveyard. And there's so many examples of those who do. I mean, it's not that hard to look too far to find them. And I think a, a big question for you is you've shared a lot of great knowledge and a lot of great big ideas. If you had any other messages that you wanted to share above and beyond final loop, like just a message that you'd want to deliver to founders and to their teams who want to make the right decisions in their businesses and who desperately want to be successful. Is there anything else, words of wisdom based on what you observe and what you've seen through the course of your career and now leading the company that you're leading that might be pearls of wisdom that could really help our listeners and our audience today? I, I think, I'm sure, it's, it's more than I think. I'm, I'm sure that e-commerce it's just going to grow, you know, just going to grow, just going to expand. I, you know, there, there are different data points and angles to that, that we wouldn't have the time to cover maybe next time, but. Part I'm, two, Leo, I think we I'm, need to have you back. There's so yeah. much to talk about here. But I'm, I'm confident that e-commerce as a space is going to grow. I'm also confident that the average founder in e-commerce is super talented in terms of the ability to market, the ability to, you know, come up with the right messaging. And, you know, and that's a great thing. I wish I was close to the median of the marketing expertise of the, you know, e-commerce founders as a, as a group. I, I, I miss that personally. I think that the e-commerce founders as a group within a space should learn more engage more and and be open for learning learnings around ops and finance again it's bigger than final loop it's beyond the books it's just understanding that as a business owner this is something that you have to own and this is something that you cannot outsource and forget the same thing that you cannot outsource and forget forget hr you have to work with your people you have to recruit the right people to coach people and you have to market your business and you have to build your products. You need to own the financial path of your brand. And I think this is the, I'd say the, the highest level messaging that I could try to convey the e-commerce founders like me. That makes sense. What a great message. And I could not agree with you more. It has just been such a pleasure speaking with you. And, you know, for our listeners, I'm sure they will want to learn more about you, be able to be in contact with you. 
So how would you like people to learn more about you? Like, how do they reach you? How do they contact you? In terms of Final Loop, Final Loop, it's a self-serve onboarding software. So people can just, you know, go to our website, finalloop.com and start a free trial. No need to sign anything. No need to even add a credit card on file. You can just invest 10 to 15 minutes in connecting all your apps. And then you see the data flowing in. Then if you find it useful for your brand, you can go deeper and invest this one to two hours, just setting everything up and, and just start using our service. And me personally, just leoan at finaloop.com. Email me directly. This would be the easier, the easiest way to reach out. We'll make sure we capture it in the show notes. And again, such a pleasure. Thank you for taking the thank time you. with us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rose. It was a pleasure. And thank you for all the discussions that like we had before. Thank you. Customer service and experience are critical for your online business. And without the right software in place, you could be missing out on opportunities. That's why there's Tidio, the first customer experience platform that helps online businesses turn casual website visitors into paying customers using their AI chatbot, Lyro. Lyro chatbot enables you to solve up to 70% of customer problems with conversational, human-like language without actual hiring costs. So you can focus on growing your business. Plus, with Tidio, you can also increase your sales by giving hyper-personalized recommendations and offering discounts based on user behavior and order history. Now, my listeners can start using Tidio AI chatbots for free. Yes, you heard it, for free and upgrade at any time with an exclusive 20% discount. See how Tidio helps grow your store? Visit tidio.com forward slash story. That's T-I-D-I-O dot com, Tidio forward slash story. Hey, thanks for listening. Listen, I have a big favor to ask, and it'll only take 30 seconds or less. And it will mean a huge amount to me. Now, if you like the podcast, please let me know, let my team know, and let my guests know, and you can do this by easily subscribing to the podcast. It's probably the biggest favor you can do for me right now, and it'll only take a few seconds. Thank you.